Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim, here today with Lance. What's up, Lance? Got a lot of anxiety over here. Why? How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm well. We are separate, so uh, that that's notable. We're not in the Crawl Space Studios uh, for the first time in a while, recording one of these. Not unusual, though, because this is, this is how we've done it before, we, where we've uh, yeah, where we've Skyped. Like, the majority of our podcasting career, aside from the last few months, has been done... Um, uh, over Skype, remotely. Exactly. But there are reasons to everything. And <laughs> there's a there's a major reason to this. Everyone's going to get a treat of an episode right now. By yeah, the way. it's really a bonus episode, especially if you heard episode uh, or the the uh, the episode we posted earlier this week called Street and Low. It was an installment in our Brianna Maitland coverage, episode nine, that we just pulled. We pulled it and. Um, We'll explain why in a minute, <laughs> but uh, but first let's uh, tell By you. By pulled, we mean it's not there anymore. Yeah, it's not there anymore. So. Um, but first, let's uh, tell you what we're going to talk about here. This is a vault installment where uh, we we switched gears and we decided to talk about some current news, some of the weirdest stories we uh, we've seen out there in the past few weeks. I think this is a kind of a fun vault uh, episode to do, maybe even once a month. I think we should probably try to do this. Well, we've been talking about doing something like this for a long time, doing the expanding on the vault concept, which is you and I riffing on these like fascinating sort of news of the week, you know, but it's if it's like once a month or whatever. So these like notable news stories that kind of fit into our genre of the mysterious. Yeah, mysterious. They're weird in some way. They're not like your typical uh, news stories. Yeah. It's almost news stories that you'd read or you'd read the headline and you'd say, God, that'd be really fascinating to read. But then you kind of move on to something else because I feel like a lot of it takes more commitment than just a single, single, like sit down, read story and move on. A lot of these, you know what I mean? I think so. A lot of these are one are links that we send back and forth. Like if we see a weird article and our friend Jeff included in this, if we see like something really weird in the news, like these stories we're about to talk about, we uh, maybe send them back and forth. Um, and a lot of times I don't read them all. I kind of like look at the headline, look at the picture, read the first paragraph. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> or, you know, so I think that's what you mean. And and these we read, we're going to go into depth and we're going to break down some of these. So I think it's going to be fun so yeah. the stories that's a, that, oh go ahead you got something oh, sorry no go ahead <laughs> I was just, the, the, that, that's exactly what i meant yeah exactly which is you read the headline and you read a little bit of it and then you say okay i, I got it because i feel like for me personally when i read the headline and then a little bit of the story and i kind of scan it i only do that because i understand that it's going to be a big commitment if i r fully invest in that story and then i and then i start looking into this person deeper and that person deeper and then i I already see like four or five hours gone. Right, 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 right. It's a time sucker. So uh, so the stories that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the guy from, if, if you watch, if you're familiar with the Oxygen Network, um, and many of you probably watched the disappearance of Maura Murray on there, uh, but if you saw the disappearance of Natalie Holloway, the, uh, the guy who claimed that he disposed, uh, that he cremated Natalie Holloway's remains was um, was killed. So that, that that's one of the stories. I don't want to get too deep into them, but there's stories like that. Okay, so uh, let's just continue with this intro, and then we'll get into these stories. <laughs> I, I guess I guess we shouldn't introduce the story. It's going to take too long. Knowing knowing myself, <laughs> we just did exactly what we said we yeah. do when we first see yeah. these stories when we when we text them back to each other. Jesus. So. Uh, <laughs> We're, we have a live show coming up next week. If you're listening to this uh, 
right now we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. If you're listening to this, please come to our live show and you're local to the Boston area. We are performing with renowned psychic Lori Bruno at the Rockwell Theater in Davis Square, Somerville, which is right outside of Boston. And it's really just a conversation with one of the most fascinating people I've ever known. Seriously, uh, this is on Sunday, which I was just informed by Lori's assistant that our show, March 25th, is Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. And Lori is a very spiritual person, and she was thrilled that she would be able to share her her life, her stories, anything you guys want to know about her on such a significant day for someone who's spiritual like her. So it's Sunday, March 25th at 6 p.m. at the Rockwell Theater, Davis Square, Somerville. There's a restaurant that they're connected to. It's owned by the same uh, group, and it's called Saloon. So it's a great place to go in, grab a bite to eat, grab a drink, and then head down the hall to, uh, to the little theater. And it's an intimate theater, and tickets are limited, so make sure you get them as soon as possible or ASAP. Right. Okay. And uh, also check out our Patreon page. We have launched a Patreon page that has uh, been picking up steam of late. And uh, so check it out. It's at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. Join the others in there who are uh, wonderful people who are our patrons and they get exclusive content delivered to them for very cheap prices per month. <laughs> very cheap i mean i i feel like the 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 money i just spent today on something that was not fulfilling in my life other than uh the social aspect and then i think about the fact that i could you know one could spend a dollar or two dollars a month and when you break that down i mean what is that that's per day it's like it's like a ridiculously cheap amount of money to experience the things that that we've done that we just had this conversation about when, when we're doing this, we're shooting this, uh, you know, this this recording, we have this video going and we're taking a tour of our building in, in Wormtown. And then we watch it back and we separate ourselves from the video. It's hilarious. It's really, it's it's a really unique insight into into this little world that we have going on here. And for, seriously, $2 a month, super fulfilling. <laughs> Thank you. I, I agree, Lance. Um, but maybe we're a little biased. But you should check it out and uh, decide for yourself. Also, okay, so l- let's talk about the the issue here. The the reason we pulled uh, the interview, um, episode number nine of our Brianna Maitland coverage, uh, it's called Street and Low with, with a investigative journalist. We we pulled it because some of the a- some of the information he gave was not accurate, um, and we just didn't really want to perpetuate uh, falsehoods, and so. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a a tricky situation the past few days. Something we never ever want to do is pull an episode, but I think this was our best option considering the circumstances. Yeah, I was just talking to um, <clears throat> uh, someone earlier on, and I was like, "It's baffling that out of the between Moore Murray and all the Crawl Space episodes, out of the like a hundred episodes that you and I have done, this is the only one that we've pulled because of." Um, misinformation we pulled one in missing more murray but that was for a different reason this was because we had experts uh close to the case we had investigators and former law enforcement who are really close to the case listen to it and for whatever reason they came back and said this you know if you took this one piece out it might be okay we also found out that the vermont state police were listening to it and and essentially said 
I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Saying, um, saying some of the, a lot of that stuff was inaccurate. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, go ahead. And then it was, then it was, so, so Tim and I were, you and I were talking and, and we, <laughs> and we were, we were thinking, well, okay, we can pull that one piece and re you know, upload it again. And then you, you called me pretty shortly after that and told me, no, just, it's better to just take the whole thing down <laughs> yeah. because we don't want to, there's a little piece in there where we say we don't want to, um, like harm the integrity of the case. And it seemed like this was all harming the integrity of the case. But the thing that, and I don't know about you, it's a slippery slope. One, we have to always talk about these cases and get the information out there as accurately as possible. And if the information is not accurate at first, as long as it's not really harming the case, at least people are talking about it and we can correct it later. Right. Sometimes we're, that's we're, a good We're thing. fine with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, sometimes it's okay, um, I think. Uh, you know, newspapers print retracts and retractions every day. Um, so, you know, it is just part of a, a journalist's job. And really, I'm not calling us journalists because we're not. Um, but we we act like that sometimes in in this podcast uh, realm that we do. So we do you know we take our we take it very seriously. We take it uh, we see it as an obligation to be as accurate as we can. We obviously will never put something out that's false on purpose. Uh, so if it happens, we try to address it. And uh, this time there was just too many too many things about the interview that didn't really need to be out there. Let's just put it that way. Like, you know, and it was, and it like, some of it was, was false and inaccurate. And some of it was just slightly inaccurate. And some of it was just right. like the way he recalled things was, you know, different from how it really happened probably. Cause of time, you know, he hasn't worked on the case in a while, but ultimately it's in the, it's in everyone's best um, for this episode to have not been out there. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. It's not like the person we interviewed was intentionally lying. I think between um between our when when he first got involved in the case and and our our interview, I think a lot has happened, you know, and I think a lot has been remembered differently and I think a lot of these characters and individuals who are involved in Brianna's disappearance sort of conflated a bit in his in his recollection. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, and the problem is that we don't want to start pushing in the wrong direction. Yeah, we, we want to push, but we don't want to push in the wrong direction and then battle that. We don't want to undo some of the good that we've done out there, which I, I think you know uh, we can both agree that there has been some good that that this podcast has done. And actually, you know, behind the scenes, more is going on than than anyone probably realizes. Really, really, the, our coverage of Brianna Maitland's uh, case has been picking up more in the second year than. Uh, than the first. So, so, I mean, just just telling you th this is a good thing. <laughs> okay, if you can't listen, if you listen to it and and you're like, oh, that was good, uh, I want to listen to it again, we're, we apologize, you can't listen to it again. If you never heard it, uh, we certainly apologize um, that you can't get that entertainment at this point, but at this point it's not so much uh, important information to hear. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I was gonna. I feel like anytime, um, anytime you talk and I have a thought, <laughs> it's uh, just sort of a slight elaboration on that, <laughs> right? And then we could we could look down and and realize that an hour's gone by. <laughs> but I think everyone's got the point that listen, there's information out there. This just wasn't the way we wanted to present it, and we heard about it through very legit channels oh. that we should not have it out there. Yeah. 
let's move on to some of our uh, our stories here, Lance. So the first one is about a guy named John Lud. What's that clicking? Are you clicking your mouse or something? What are you doing? What does that sound? I just I just kind of bump something. You're over tapping here. your little, okay. My uh, okay. coffee. Clean mouth. it up over there. Lock it up. Clean your face up. <laughs> it's too late. It's a mess. John Ludwig, who claims Joran Vandersloot, paid him $1,500 to dig up Natalie Holloway's body in 2010 in Aruba. And he says that he disposed of, of her remains. He was fatally stabbed to death recently um, by a woman that he was trying to kidnap. Former roommate of his, right? That he had made some advances on in the past, or alleged advances on. Yeah, some he, romantic. He, uh... Yeah, yeah. In the show, he claims. You know, it, it gets pretty detailed. I suppose in in the show, he's talking to someone he doesn't think is filming or in recording, and he's he's talking about uh, how they used to party together and uh, yeah, have group sex together, and then sometimes it went to uh, to one on one. Those two guys. Um, so and and. You know, it, he did his his buddy, I guess, a favor in, uh, and disposed of Natalie Holloway per him. I mean, I don't know. We don't. We no one knows if this is true. Uh, the the remain. You know, Oxygen Networks show the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. It it showed that it wasn't Natalie Holloway's body. It, so, uh, as the story goes, this guy said that he knew where it was, and they, he tried to take everyone there. And they found some bone fragments. They tested them. Said it was from a Caucasian woman that would have fit Natalie's profile, um, but it turned out not to be her. And this is all in question based on the lawsuit that Natalie's mother is filing right now. Well, that's a different story. We can talk about that so, after, but, but the, well, the it's, guy it's dies. Sort of this, the, let's talk right, about this a, first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going more like, I only bring that up because I want to just question this guy's character. Like what type of person does something like this? If he's, if, if, what's his motivation for going on a national television show to talk about this, whether it's true or not, it just goes to the character of someone who gets, he gets murdered by somebody who, what like he was didn't trying want to him in a romantic someone. way. So he was trying to kidnap uh, this woman who stabbed him. Yeah, while while he was trying to kidnap her, pretty wild. Right. Sh- shows that she pulls into her driveway, gets out of right, gets out of her car, and he's waiting for, her, ready to take her. Yeah, yeah. Big and, surprise uh, when right. she stabs him numerous times. Right, and uh, and his would be victim, they they did know each other, so authorities said, but they declined to elaborate. So, probably some kind of friend or an ex girlfriend or something like that. No, it was an ex roommate. Okay, yeah, yeah. They were they were they were former roommates, and he had made advances on her in the past. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a total dirtbag. <laughs> whether whether whatever, whether he was lying about the Natalie Holloway stuff or not, he's a total right. dirtbag. Right, but exactly. We're talking about my my point about whether he was lying about Natalie Holloway kind of relates to why are you trying to kidnap this person? What is the purpose? What is your purpose of these things that you do that are despicable? Do you think that this man is a a psychopath? Um, I don't know. I watched the show. He seemed, yeah, I guess he didn't seem like he had much remorse. There were these um, videos that a different guy on the show, I guess, I think he, I forget his name, but he was an informant 
Um, and he was really the, the the catalyst for the entire show happening. He called the private investigator of uh, Natalie Holloway's family and uh, start and and said that look, I I've been talking to this guy, this guy Ludwig, and he's been telling me all these things, and I've been shooting video. So and it was like some of the home videos shot years ago were Ludwig saying like Natalie, you know, calling Natalie Holloway names and saying she deserved to die, and I pissed on her ashes and stuff like that. So yeah, he was he had he yeah he said she deserved to die yeah yeah he was a fucking scumbag and a psychopath. Long long <laughs> way to from... answer yes. Yeah, terrible. Right, you'd have to be take taken from well, like why would you even make these videos? He didn't he didn't stop the guy like he he wasn't making them he just didn't stop the guy from doing it like the other guy was like oh this is funny I'm recording it and right he was aware though right. He was aware. It seemed it. Yeah, sure seemed it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. People like this just doing these things like what we do here, it just constantly baffles me that even if you are a psychopath, even if you are a criminal or a murderer, that just gives you like you just don't have awareness of you just don't have awareness that what you're talking about right now is being put on tape and that might be out there somewhere. Someone's recording something. It might be out there somewhere at some point. I guess the motivation for everything really baffles me when you're talking about motivation in in respect to awareness. Well, let me just give a little context because I think the video that I was describing where he was calling Natalie uh, horrible things was when he was watching his old buddy Vandersloot get uh, sentenced or at least arrested for the murder of a Peruvian woman who is he is currently serving a prison sentence for uh, murdering. So I so I think the video, you know, he was all worked up. He was all emotional that his, he was probably never going to see his friend again, and that's actually exactly what happened. You know, he's got this 20-something-year sentence, so he was uh, emotional. So maybe that's where those words were coming from, but uh, still, not cool. I just don't understand these types of people, and I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah, it is. Well, that's what we do. That's why we do what we do. We try to make sense of the uh, the unexplainable. That one, uh, <laughs> that guy, Jesus Christ, um, uh, you know, you don't like to celebrate death or anything like that, but that guy not being on this planet anymore, I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. Speaking of not being on this planet anymore, Lance, let's talk yes. about the second st- second story here. What a good segue. Yeah, right? That was a solid yeah. segue I had, into this. I had to jump. I had to interrupt. I saw you were going for the mic. I had to say, no, this is too good of a segue. We got to move on. <laughs> God knows. We, we'd still be, uh, we have another 10 minutes on the first story. Um, and that's all due to you. No, just kidding. It's, it's both of us. <laughs> um, so prelim- preliminary results from NASA's twins study reveal that 7% of astronaut Scott Kelly's genetic expression did not return to baseline after his return to Earth two years ago. So what, what does that mean, Lance? Okay, well, the first question that I'm going to have for you is what did this story mean when you read it what was the impression that this headline left in for you because it is it's fascinating to read that the headline is awesome okay so the headline is astronauts gene expression is no longer same as his identical twin comma nasa finds um 
like I immediately go to, wow, there's going to be a great horror movie written about that. That's kind of based on that idea, you know? And I'm like, wow, I kind of want to write that one. <laughs> right. You know? Like there's something in space that's, that's genetically altering humans DNA, right? Oh, it's great. There's something out there. Yeah. Right. There's a great premise out there that is now based on, that can now be based on fact. So if you're a screenwriter <laughs> listening to this and you hadn't had that idea, um, Maybe give give us a special thanks, but go for it. You know right, we don't need right. we don't need any credit. Just give us a special thanks. Well, special thanks down there at the bottom, <laughs> at the end of the credits, after the music. Yeah, as people are leaving the theater. Yeah, yeah. So no, that way no one will see it. Um, but unfortunately, since that article has come out, there have been some developments, uh-huh. either through misrepresentation just by. Well, not misrepresentation, more like misunderstanding. A lot of people, when they read uh, gene expression, immediately go to DNA because DNA is mentioned in there. Yeah. And that's not so much the case. The DNA will never change between identical twins. A lot of people have started to uh, realize that this is not the, 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 the intended story. Now, the, the intended story, the, the first one that, that you sent to me was from CNN. Yeah. It's basically a scientific breakdown of what happens to the human body, and it's very fortunate that they happen to have identical twins. Right, Now, identical right. twins have identical DNA, but what they don't have is identical gene expression when one is on Earth and one is in space. So they're able to identify between the two. Now, if you and I were in space, we don't have the same DNA, but we might have similar gene expression based on the... Um, circumstances of being in outer space and traveling through orbit. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they were able to do was look at two identical twins and see what the difference was. And this whole, this 7% change wasn't in DNA. It was in gene expression, which is affected and influenced by anything like, um, you know, lack of oxygen, uh, hypoxia, which is you don't have any oxygen, you're, you're in space. So therefore all of these little, you know, Everything that that influences all of the the RNA around your DNA starts to change a little bit and starts to shift. So (laughs) on the surface, it's a really fascinating story. But after you read it, you realize, oh, it's it's sort of just sort of a scientific breakdown of what happens to the human body when they go into space and out of space. Right. Yeah. And I think I noticed here that the I think I feel like the headlines might have changed on this. I think they may have updated it. Um, exactly yeah, because say gene I think expression instead of DNA, yeah, instead of DNA, which so, is which technically which was the unexpected. Yeah, okay, so that's it was the unexpected thing that happened when I was looking into the story. I even started, you know, you see, you see DNA, and that's probably what it was. The whoever's publishing the story was thinking, no one really knows what's gene expression. <laughs> right. I'll just say DNA, and then a bunch of people came out and said, no, 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 no. DNA didn't change. Everybody, right. <laughs> DNA didn't change. It was the influences that. Um, it's it was the influences of the, of the of space yeah. uh, exploration the 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 all of the things that happen when to the human body when you're out there right so that this is affected the gene expression yeah so this is like a good point for for what we are doing this episode for you know we we do this because we send these articles back and forth and I'm sure we're not alone we send these articles you read a paragraph or two you say like, holy shit DNA chain that's an amazing idea for a screenplay like I'll 
you know, let me rattle that around in my brain for a little, or a podcast. Let me rattle that around in my brain for a little bit. Um, but ultimately, and that's exactly where our brains went. Right. But ultimately, you read the article, and I read it, and I was like, this really isn't that surprising at all. It sounds like it's not surprising at all. It actually sounds like it's not that big of a deal, even. No, it really. Yeah. No, it, it's it seems sort of like a scientific medical study. Right. It seems like obvious, actually. And the the, the best thing that I found. Uh, about it was the reason that they did this. So one, only one of these twins was an astronaut. The other guy was on Earth, which I thought was funny. My, my head went to like, wow, I like. I wonder what happened if, if that guy died when this uh, when his brother was in space for the year. Like their their whole study would have been fucked. <laughs> um, but so he whatever he does is safe enough, and he made it through another year, and they were able to complete this test. And it was only this test is only because they're working on sending humans on longer missions, longer than a year, on three-year missions right. to Mars, so they want to know what it does to your DNA. So if they test, you, if, if Lance goes up to space, you know, your gene expression changes, you come back, they don't, you know, they don't have anything to compare it to other than previous Lance, which is, I think, what you were saying, too. And so the fact that right. they're twins is so cool. Um, they had this amazing um, chance to do this, this experiment. So I, I, I left reading, you know, left this article being like less like, oh, that should be a screenplay, more like, oh, well, NASA's doing some good stuff. That's good. NASA's still working. Yeah. yeah. NASA still has some, some stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. Like, if, if you and I went to space, we, it, you know, it's that, there's no reason to test our gene expression between the two of us um, other than what it does to the individual person. But the fact that you have identical twins, that was that's a huge thing for them. And and to be able to identify between the two is, uh, I mean, that's such a leg up on on scientific study. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Oh, it's it's a, yeah, it's really cool. Actually, I was really relieved when I started reading it and I realized that this was this this wasn't a case of like um, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we're we're searching for an answer. It seemed like alien the answer loose. was all in there. A- what you say? Alien loose on Earth. <laughs> I mean, like, that's where where your head could have went, right? It's like, oh, this DNA is different now. Like this guy could literally change into an alien. He better be in a fucking lab under lock and key. I've seen species, <laughs> Lance. We don't know what's gonna happen. Right. You can't have you can't have glass thick enough to keep something like that contained. <laughs> You can't have a glass cage I, thick enough. I've I mean, seen, don't go in there. I've seen the fly. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you watch like Alien, for God's sake. That alien could go anywhere. There's so many uh, space thrill, thriller movies that get made. Like this is already in the works. Like we're not, we're not even kidding. You think you might think that's funny? That's a joke that we had. That's not a joke. Like, I'm sure there's five screenwriters working on a script right now about this. <laughs> I guarantee we're going to get emails and people saying these movies already exist and they're going to give us links to the movies that were made in like the 90s. Right. With Charlie Sheen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
All right, Lance, let's uh, move on here to uh, my second story. And by the way, we I th- I'm, this may be interesting. We actually had a draft, which I think is fun with, uh, you know, the NFL season, uh, the, the NFL draft coming up uh, oh, sure. in April. We did a, a news story draft. We sent, I think, six stories back and forth and said, let's choose two each. Uh, I, I chose first. I chose the story that we read about, about that uh, dirt bag. And, uh, and you chose the DNA story, and then, um, or wait, did you go first? You went first. You chose the DNA story. Right. I, I went first, and then um, I'll, I'll be uh, honest here. I didn't hear back right away, and I was like, oh, shit, I screwed up. We were supposed to do this while we were recording. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah, no, this was fun. No, it was a fun. It was a text draft. It was a dra- You can draft anything. You can draft... Uh, you know, anything you want. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I just thought because I didn't hear immediately back that the intention was to do this like live okay. to be like, OK, your pick now. But then I sent you a response probably like an hour later. What do you have? 14. Yeah. Old? Yeah. So it was a very tense hour for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so my I second couldn't even choice, cook my blue apron. Right. <laughs> so my second choice was um, the AP News. Uh, headline named Grandson Wins Bizarre Battle Over Body of Charles Manson. And I was very excited about that. My God. And, and I was kind of surprised that I stole this or that I uh, <laughs> that I read, picked this story. I don't know why I said stole. Stole? Uh, <laughs> that was weird. I was going to say Freudian slip, but I, don't, I literally have never stolen anything in my life. I don't know where that, uh, I know. I know where yeah, that came from. Um, but uh, there was the, this other story about the, I think, story. Maybe that was the word, story I was looking for. I don't know. There was this uh, story about uh, 27 pairs of hands that were found in a bag uh, in Russia, in in a river in Russia, and uh, I really thought I would be choosing that story, but uh, alas, uh, I chose the Charles Manson story. <laughs> Little tease for next time. Anyone? Anyway, anyone? Which is fun See, because you, yeah, 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 you, you need to land this plane quick. <laughs> <laughs> it is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, take that however you will. Yeah. So this really was a bizarre battle, uh, Lance. This was a legal. You're talking about the the Manson one. <laughs> yeah. The the it's a bizarre it's it's a, a battle over Charles Manson's body. So Manson was eighty three. He died in twenty seventeen. He was uh, serving a life sentence in Bakersfield, California, uh, for orchestrating the nineteen sixty nine murders of Sharon Tate, pregnant actress Sharon Tate, and eight others. And there were a lot of people who wanted his corpse, Lance. Which isn't surprising when you want, you know, you hear of a celebrity who's died and, you know, who recovers the property of the celebrity, including the body, you know, any works that they've done, if they're, you know, an artist of some sort, what what they've written or painted or, um, you know, you, you, you experience that with uh, um, Prince's estate, Michael Jackson's estate. The thing that really bugs me about this, and I was so glad you picked this because I think I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm so sick of hearing of Charlie Manson. I'm glad he's dead. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad that he's out of the the limelight of, you know, every once a year you hear some weird story about Charlie Manson. You can't even, you know, Guns N' Roses released Use Your Illusion. And all of a sudden I real, you know, 
Axl Rose has a music video and he's wearing a Charlie Manson shirt and there's like music that's inspired by Charlie Manson on this album. It's like, can't I just enjoy a Guns N' Roses album without Charlie Manson being a part of it? Like, I'm so sick of Charlie Manson and I'm sick of the people who are fighting over his body. <laughs> yeah. They burn his body. Get rid of it. Let's move on. He's part of history. He's part of a terrible like cult section of, of the 60s. Learn from it and move on. What, what is what is a good that's coming out of keeping Charlie Manson's body? Well, I don't think uh, we're going to be moving on anytime soon. Uh, we as a society. That's not going to make us move on? <laughs> no, your your rant is not going to work. It's not going to affect the, uh, the documentary uh, film crew that has been uh, following the guy who was awarded Charles Manson's body. Who is this guy? This Freeman guy? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Freeman. He is a uh, the grandson. So I Jason Freeman, who is the alleged grandson, right? <laughs> right, and there were some others. So there were other people who claimed to be his grandson. Um, and also, th- this story, Lance, you know, if we're being honest here, began like a year ago when Charles Manson got married in prison. Do you remember this story? He got married to like a twenty-something-year-old woman who. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Was, of course, I remember it. Right. Right. Her goal was, I mean, this was, that was one of the articles we forwarded each other then. Um, her goal was to tour his body around when he died. Right. Like the goddamn <laughs> Charlie Manson traveling sideshow. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> you sent this story a year ago and I, and I read it and I rolled my eyes and I thought, why is Charlie Manson still making news? Yeah. This, this dude, Jason Freeman claims, or he is the son of, Charles Manson Jr., mm-hmm. who was the child of Manson and his first wife, and then changed his name to Charles J. White and then killed himself. Right. It must be a pretty tough, like, a burden being the son or spawn of a serial killer. You probably feel evil in some way. Or responsible. This is, again, I, I don't know why I'm confused by this. I guess because I'm just not a part. I guess I've never had this happen to me before, but... If this was me, I'd I'd just wash my hands of the whole thing. Do what you want to do with the fucking body. It's Charlie Manson. I don't want anything to do with him. I'm trying to live my life over here. Yeah. Yeah, there was another uh, purported son, Matthew Lentz, who claimed he was fathered by Manson during uh, an orgy he had in Wisconsin. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't know. And the guy who was awarded the body... um, there there apparently is this video online that shows Freeman's son, that's the guy, Freeman, his son playing with a Manson puppet, uh, complete with a swastika on his forehead, which is what Charlie Manson had on his forehead, and Freeman joking about stuffing the doll with Manson's ashes and taking him fishing. Sure, that makes sense, right? I, I, I have no idea. I can't even, like, I can't even speculate to the intricacies of, of a family relationship when Charlie Manson is a your grandfather, a close relative, which is just fucking crazy that this one person has affected so many people like this, has had an impact on generations. Yeah. Yeah, really just a bizarre, a bizarre story. People mad, really mad about about this ruling, too. You know, it's a where do you get a where do you get a Manson puppet? By the way, he probably made I'm it. not googling. That. Oh, I'm sure I if you Google it, there's plenty. Um, I won't. Yeah, but he probably he might have made it. I mean, if he was going to stuff it with the ashes, he would have uh, made it technically. But 
I mean, yeah, just a weird one, a weird story. <laughs> like who, who? Honestly, if anybody thinks that they're going to make a significant amount of money off of this by parading his dead body around, you'll make a little bit of money, but it certainly is not going to be worth the reputation and whatever like ill comes of doing this. This is one of the most despicable people in American history. Yeah. In history. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, oh what he did, like how he like brainwashed people to do what they did and then how he just manipulated people in the media. Yeah. And if you think you're going to make a million dollars off of this, <laughs> well, well he's also got a song. I guess he's written some music. And, oh, Charlie Manson was a big mu- like he, he was a big musician. Yeah. He was very influenced by the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Well, it doesn't mean he's good. I was too. It, I I did not say he oh, was good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so and also to prevent photos of the body being leaked, the coroner's office stored his remains under a pseudonym and uh, only told two employees his true identity. And they they really wanted uh, his body out of there to make way for uh, incoming uh, cadavers. Just a weird story all around, Lance. I don't even know what to make of it. Uh, but like you said, it's hopefully you know we're we're getting closer to the day we can stop talking about Charles Manson. Yeah, and why didn't we talk about this with Jeffrey Dahmer when Jeffrey Dahmer died? You know, no, I, unless I'm missing something and, you know, if anybody out there knows anything about Jeffrey Dahmer's body, if there was a big fight for it. But I just the fact that, you know, I, and I get it. I get that people have um, I get that people are, are, are psychopaths and I get that people are, are mentally sick. I, I, you know, chemical imbalances. I understand that. But Charlie Manson, he you he he was a manipulator, and that that's the thing that really like fires me up when we talk about things like this. That he manipulated the media, his family, the people that followed him, and even after he's dead, he's manipulating people. Yeah, well, I and, think I think he was unique, so I think that's actually the answer to some of these. Like I think like Jeffrey Dahmer, he was you know just another Israel Keys, just another. BTK guy Charles Manson is still talking another about serial killer today. Yeah. yeah because of how he did what he did and that really you know the manipulation not so much the hands-on murdering it made him unique and it's crazy because Charlie Manson never murdered anybody yeah he just mind watched everyone into doing what he didn't have the conviction to do himself. And speaking of mental illness, Lance, that brings us to us to our final story here tonight. Um, which I loved at first. Which I'm sorry, I'll say that again. Which I hated at first, and I love now. And it took a completely different turn for me. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really odd story. Twenty-year-old Kaylee Muthart, Muthart, Muthart speaks out for the first time. She gouged her own eyes out while she was on meth, and that's what happened. Right. That's so. If anybody, if anybody's heard this, this is one of those stories that comes up, and you you say, "Oh God, terrible." Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's Kaylee Muthart. Seems like the th, but should be. Uh, I would I would say uh, mutter, but we can just move okay. on. Yeah. We can probably just yeah. move on though. I've I've heard I've heard it both ways. I'm guessing it's <laughs> mutter, um, but we can move on probably. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is something that you read. I'm the girl who clawed her own eyes out. This is my story. This is a Cosmopolitan article, which was fantastic. Um, it's graphic. Anyone listening now? Anyone who hasn't read the article? It's graphic. I'm it. It 
graphically describes how she pulled her eyeballs out. And when you first look at this and you see that headline and you, and the first, the first um, time you read the words uh, methamphetamines and meth and, and drug, then you think, Oh, it was a drug induced, you know, paranoid uh, episode. And that's why I didn't really like it at first, but the more I thought about it and the more I read it. And then when I, started thinking about the other story with the DNA and the identical twins, Scott and Mark Kelly and being in space and how DNA is affected and just the perception of things. I, I really walked away from this thinking that this, this person, this, this Kaylee, I sort of, I sort of respect what she did. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, she she tore her eyeballs out, uh, and it was it was because she was high, and she uh, thought it was a sacrifice she was making for the the good of the of the people on this planet. It was sort of like a religious epiphany she believed she was having at the time. Well, okay, this is someone who was raised in a small town, and there's very few things that you can be. Uh, convicted, or you can have serious conviction towards religion, uh, and these things that you you know education, uh, your family. So you can you can have very specific feelings, strong feelings about these things, right? So she was also diagnosed bipolar, which is what you forgot to mention. She was diagnosed as bipolar. She was very religious. She wanted to be close to God. And when you want to be close to God and you have this confliction inside you where you start to, she started to smoke marijuana, she started to drink alcohol, and that introduced her to a group of people that, I, I believe she, she smoked a joint and she started to feel a high that she hadn't felt before. So it was possible that this marijuana was laced with something. Yeah. So at no fault of her own was she introduced probably to another drug, probably meth amphetamines or something to that nature but she ended up smoking meth now she's having this confliction going on with everything that's in her life that's important to her that she knows is important to her family faith friends and she finds herself one day at a railroad track and she's trying to figure out why she's even there i'm not saying there at the railroad track i'm saying why she's even existing because she can't seem to figure out her own head. She's bipolar. But you're, you're, you're putting yourself in her shoes at that moment, though? Me? No. No, 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 okay. no. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking. Like, this is from, the, this is from her words. Okay, like, yeah. This so is she wrote article. this article or co-wrote it with, uh, with, a, with she, a journalist? She told it to Elizabeth uh, Nairns, Nairns, yeah, who wrote the article. <clears throat> okay, so, so go she, ahead. For, everything leading up to this moment has been dealing with her her. her the, the bipolar diagnosis that she had and the perception of religion that has been in her life since she was born. And then this drug influence, this unexpected drug influence, by the way, she never wanted to be, I mean, no one wants to be a drug addict. No one wants to be hooked on meth. And right. then she finds herself there. Someone at the scene who happens upon the scene mentions the word key, like key, like a locking key. And for some reason, that triggers something in her head where she thinks, 
there's something that I need to like search for. There's a key. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that's what caused her to put her fingers in her eyes and pull them out. After she's done that, she said that her life is 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 so much better. And that's where the turning point happened for me when I was thinking about this whole thing and reading these articles. She says, if I stub my toe because I can't see, that just means that it's stopping me from hitting something bigger, like a wall. So she'll sacrifice stubbing her toe if that means not crashing into a wall. That's what she's saying now, now that she's blind, now that she's not high and, and right. everything. Yeah. But th- right. this isn't a wise girl when she did this. This is not like some like informed decision she made or, you know. Oh, I'm not saying it was grand, an informed decision. You know, this was. I, yeah, but actually, I'm not. I'm not saying it wasn't. It wasn't a consciously informed decision. Okay. It, yes, it was actually. Be, well, I don't know about the the eyes, but there's a line here. She says, "After that, I steered clear of meth, but felt so low that I asked one of my roommates who dealt drugs for ecstasy." So this is after she had already found out that the marijuana she smoked was laced with likely meth, and she had oh. been become addicted, and then she was oh, living with a drug dealer. So, of course. So, if you want to get away from that, get the fuck away from it. Don't live with a drug dealer. Of course. Yeah. Right. So, what what she ends up doing is goes to the most extreme measure, which was taking away the her her like visual interpretation and perception of what was bringing her down, which was her eyes, and her. And the eyes aren't just like what we see things with. It's how we interpret everything. And we're, we're all like in this box. We don't have any internal vision. All she has now, she wanted to strip out the external vision. She needed to get rid of that. You're, you're trying to break down what she was thinking when she was high. Like, who the sure hell thing. knows? I There's no rhyme or reason. I'm sorry. There's no rhyme or no, reason. No, no. I. Did. I think, and, and I think whatever she says now about it doesn't necessarily mean it was true. This article actually annoyed the shit out of me because of because of what I just read to you. Like I had a totally different reaction from it. It's like she tries to come off like I, I'm better now. Like literally, she says I feel I yeah. feel better now about yeah. my life. And while I'm happy, she's she feels better now. She's not addicted to drugs anymore. She says she wants to be um, a marine biologist. That's that's all great, um, but. I feel like she's not taking responsibility for what she did still. But what kind of, I'll have, I have two points on that. What kind of responsibility do you expect her to take other than the fact that she did rip her eyes out? And two, if she didn't do this, she'd be dead by, she, she would have a, the, the, she would have a life that, that countless other people her age who are in that situation just fall into because they just didn't do anything about it. And I'm saying, I am not saying go gouge your eyes out, but she, she went to this ridiculous extreme, whether she knew it or not, because she was high or whether she needed a fix on something or whether she, it was a combination of being high and bipolar. She, she reached in and she even says like she would have clawed right into her brain if, mm-hmm. if she wasn't stopped. If she wasn't stopped from doing that, she would have clawed into her brain. I just think that it's an amazing moment in someone's life where they can do something so horrible to get something so bad out of themselves and then come out the other side and say, I'm a better person because she wouldn't have been a better person if she didn't do this. She'd be right. the same stupid drug dealing, drug using meth head and probably would have died at like 34. 
yeah. with like two kids. I'm with you. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that she's she's dr- living drug free now, and she seems like she's on a good path and everything. Um, I just I feel like she's missing the larger point. Like, isn't the larger point she should try to uh, teach kids, you know, about about drug use or uh, and and or herself be this huge example for me- mental illness, which is really what she is. And I think that's yeah. And, I think that's what she's doing with these articles. I think the article is a little bit of oblivious to what the reality is, though, to be honest. That's funny. I took it the I took it the other way. I think I think she put the uh, the I think she put these details out there in such horrific. um, The depiction of it was so horrific. And the progression of I I was I you know, this is how I was raised. Religion was a big thing. Family was a big thing. And this is how I (laughs) fell into drug abuse. And this is what I did because of it. I think a lot of people would read that and say this seems very familiar to the way I am right now if they were in that situation. If someone was slipping into this drug use, she even says, I never thought marijuana was a gateway drug. She probably doesn't think so. But it was the person who gave her the marijuana that was laced with something. So I think just by, instead of being heavy-handed and preachy about it, she tells her story. And that story is very familiar to a lot of people, I think. I think it's a little preachy. Um, but I do appreciate that she told her story. I, I'm not I'm definitely not trying to badmouth this woman. Um you know, I just it's the whole situation is is weird. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I, re- I really feel like she should she should use this story, you know, and for for more more than this article. They also, this article has a GoFundMe link in it where she's trying to raise fifty thousand um, dollars. So, you know, she's raised forty two thousand as of right now. So I'm happy for her, happy that she's she's raising money. But maybe she there was some motivation to the article. Just saying, like, and, you know, there's a lot of religion talking about in this article. Like, she's a religious person. She hasn't uh, strayed whatsoever from that. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you you and I talk about religion, and we're not religious people at all. I'm the furthest thing away from, you know, being religious. But I do, I, there is something to be said for having the... The, the conviction to do something to put yourself on another on another level that I that I respect. I'm happy. To, I'm happy that th- this is in Cosmo, right? Because so y- young females will young women will listen will will, will read this uh, this article and they will be inspired. They will say, "I will never do drugs." Hopefully, um, you know, I don't want I don't want that to happen to me. Obviously, so that's that's all great. But it's on Cosmo. It's not on. It's not like uh, it's not for mental illness or it's. You know, it, it, it reads like it should be on like ChristianDaily.com or something. I have no idea if that's a website or whatever. But I get what you're, yeah, I get what you're saying there. Um, I I think it might be something we, we talk about with uh, Brianna a lot, which is this whole you know, the, the people people read about somebody in this situation in a town like that, and they're doing meth and they're doing drugs, and this like this drug prejudice. This you know, it's a dirty story. So I don't know who would want to pick this up. I don't know who would want to talk about something like this. There's so much other shit out there in the news. I'm just that, saying, you know, focus on the mental illness aspect of it because that is kind of buried in the story. Like she does men- mention that she's men- mentally ill, but really in her own words, when she's able to tell the story in her own words, she keeps going back to faith and how, you know, she's happy to be here. And if she subs her toe, she knows it's okay and and all that but really like you know i don't know maybe maybe it should be more preachy towards people who are mentally ill i don't know yeah yeah i mean the whole it's thing such a touchy subject and a huge it is a huge issue 
and you can get into it deeper. You know, you can get into it as deep uh, as you as you know. You can find all of these avenues that you can go down when you're talking about this, and faith being one of them. And I thought I would be annoyed when I read about like the the her um her her faith re- references her being a you know, devoted um you know to God and all that, but there's there's the like what is what what is they what did they like cleanliness is godliness she wanted to clean out what was dirty and the things that she saw and the things that influenced her made her a bad person so whatever that was needed to stop and she ripped her eyes out like that to me is was such when i when i read this article and i thought about that and i thought about how close cuz she, she keeps saying how close she wanted to be to god and if you want to be clean and close to God, you don't want to be influenced by these things. How do you fix that? And with being being on meth and being bipolar, holy shit, she ripped her fucking eyes out. Like that that to me is just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly a, um, a perfect storm of of things. You know, religion, drugs, and mental illness that uh, that made this story w- what it was. You know, w- what it is. But for poor Kaylee, and you know, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her family. It's an awful story. You know, I really, really hate it. Really hate it. Like you said earlier. But um, but you know, know what? So I, hope, I, I mean, I, hopefully, it does teach teach mentally ill people and drug addicts. You know, hopefully, it really does help to inspire people and does some good for this uh, this world. Yeah. And I, I honestly, like, I, I don't feel as bad as you feel. I feel like the, if this is what she needed to do to make things better and to put things back on the right track, like, I'd rather see that happen for the course of, <clears throat> you know, a, a couple of hours of the actual act of ripping her eyes out, plus going to the hospital, plus, like, everything else. So we'll say, like, a three-month period of just, you know, just kind of real shitty situation i'd rather see that than someone fall in line with just the regular crap that happens with people who are mentally ill and have drug issues yeah okay well uh thanks for listening to this episode this sort of bonus episode of crawl space uh so uh thank you very much follow us on twitter at crawl space pod we're on instagram and facebook also, check out our live show if you're listening to this before March 25th, 2018. We'll bring you some of that live audio. Live show. Oh, that's going to be so great, Lance. Davis Square, Lori Bruno, Somerville, Mass. It's going to be fun. 6, 6.30. Tickets are cheap. Check them out. Check them out. <laughs> I'm mentally exhausted right now. <laughs> person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. 
When Bruce's daughter, Brianna, disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.